a little worried. That's that Long Beach. I'm a little worried. Right I'm a little worried. What you worried about? I prayed. I said, Lord, just just uh, protect my testimony. I heard what you did last time. Will was telling I told me, him about like, the chat GPT mm. when you asked ten questions. To ask <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I literally, I thought, I thought about, I thought about doing that again, and then I was like, no, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that to Sammy and Sean. We're gonna, you know. Hey, we're ready for it though. Yeah. This podcast Sammy's keeps me on my toes, dog. I gotta stay sharp. I'm you're not, you're not. always getting everyone in trouble though. That's what I'm hearing. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> he, yeah, no, you don't. We'll we'll we'll, we'll plays the nice guy on on here. That's yeah, his uh, that's yeah. his role. I he's try the, to be a. I try to be myself. He's the sage. <laughs> he is the sage. You know? He is. <laughs> you come, come I'm from, the provocative. Come from the house. You know, yeah. Come from meeting or? No, yeah, we just did our meeting right now for uh, we got our volunteer night tomorrow. Okay. Little celebration joint, so we to go over that. Okay. That that service order, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah All right. Yeah. What's up? What What's up, everybody? Welcome to Beyond the Letter. We're recording. We are. Nancy's like, hey, we're recording. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we got some great people in the room today. We got Sean Fenner in the house. Yep. Pastors in Long Beach, mm-hmm. LBC people. Shout out. Let's do go. you live in Long Beach? I do. Born and raised, bro. What? Four generations on my mom's side in Long Beach. Let's what? Go. He's yep. the mayor of Long Beach. Come bro. on, man. Let's go. How does that even work? I like eat, sleep, and breathe Long Beach. <laughs> you know? Well, how it works is uh, my family moved from Bedside, Brooklyn. Uh, there was actually a newspaper article. You guys kept about your it. twang too, as well, because you still have it, bro. Man, bro, I still got it. I got a little Brooklyn in me. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Uh, no, but. Um, my my grandmother actually her Girl Scout troop tried to raise money to keep the Dodgers in Brooklyn. Really? And there was like a newspaper article about it. Like, yeah. isn't it cute? These little girls rate three hundred bucks. They think it's gonna keep the Dodgers in Brooklyn. Didn't work, so we moved with them, bro. No, you no. We moved with them. That's loyal. That's, That's loyal. We loyal, right bro. That's we loyal. So you're a generational Dodger fan. That's right. Okay. Well. Okay. I'll introduce a few. We got. <laughs> hold on. We got Sammy Rodriguez in the house. We got Will Chung in the house. And then we got a bunch. We got, uh, who, who's Jensen with? Whose friend is he with? You? He's with me, yeah. Okay. Okay. What's up, Jensen? Thanks for hanging in with us today. And then we got Chelsea in the house. We got Alizé, whose back's turned to us. I think that's Alizé. Alex in the house. Nancy in the house. And then Andy. Okay. I had to do those quick introductions because I got to know, mm. as a generational Dodger fan, okay, all right, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Here we go. As a generational Ooh. Dodger fan, what did you feel about the trans nuns who the Dodgers were having to do the opening throwing ceremony who who kind of make fun of Catholicism mm. and they're part of the LGBT community? But, I mean, outside of it, anyone could be part of it. But, but there was a lot of ruckus mm-hmm. around that, mm-hmm. which then ultimately, I don't know, who's the famous guy in the Dodgers, the, the white guy? Kershaw, uh, Kershaw, mm-hmm. he's Christian, right? Yes. Yeah. So then, which put which because he, I guess he's been asking for years to bring back Christian Day or whatever, mm-hmm. which gave him the opportunity to 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 play that card. Yeah. And the Dodgers were kind of trying to save marketing face, so they agreed to do Christian Day because they were trying to kind of subside all the Catholics and Christians. Mm-hmm. Like as a lineage Dodger fan, where your grandmother and th- her parents moved yeah. from Brooklyn to follow this team. Yeah, what would she say? That's what I want to know. What would she say? Like, I want my $300 back. What is going on? I mean, I, I, if I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. The initial thought that came in my head was like, God, could it have been any other team? <laughs> Why not the Angels? Why not the Angels? Yeah, right, That's right. exactly what I was Or the Giants. Please, Lord, let it be the Giants. No, um, 
I, I think I think it was a for me like on a serious note, it was an opportunity to really show like um, the, this reality of what Christians face in the public eye because I've watched Kershaw not just push for that because that happened, but I've watched him push for that for years. I mean, he actually got us um, in partnership with the Magic Johnson Foundation one time. We brought urban kids that had never been to a Dodgers game, 500 kids that got us free tickets to come. I remember Kershaw and the believers on the team saying three, four hours after the game, signing baseballs, signing towels. Wow. Sign, I mean, wow. they were just sitting with kids talking about That's Jesus. Cool. Like that, He's not just about that because the opposition. Right. He's about he's that really because about he believes it. in the gospel. Wow. And he wants kids, young kids, to know that Jesus is more important than baseball. And so... I mean, I saw it as really an opportunity, you know, for the Lord to take what the enemy meant for evil and to turn it for good. That's what I saw. I I saw an opportunity for Christians to step up and say, hey, if they can do this, why are we not allowed to do this? Because we're passionate about seeing people know that uh, Jesus is important and we want to be able to talk about it. And, And Kershaw, I mean, for me, he's been one of those guys that like you just can't deny that he's about it. He's been about his faith. He's been consistent throughout his career. And so it, it was a cool opportunity for me, man. Like just in partnership with FCA, seeing all that they do, different believers that have been on the team, pool holes, other believers. Yep. Um, I, I just thought it was a great opportunity. But yeah, it, it could have been the Giants. That's for sure. It could have been the Giants. <laughs> See, I'm from the base. So I'm a Giants fan. So, you know, it wasn't us. You know, we're more holy in oh, the Giants oh, organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like what do you think, like what would it, what would it take for you to um, – what would it? Because I know a lot of people that were just like, like that's it. Um, you I'm know, done. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with the Dodgers. Yeah. This is a line for me. And then, and then when they did the Christian thing, which I, number one, I think is a great perspective you have on on you know how God has used it for good. Mm. But like, um, you know, on the flip side, other people were saying like, man, they're just trying to. It's it's now now it's about money. They're mm-hmm. just they're mm-hmm. doing the Christian day because they're just trying to. Sa- they didn't realize that I don't know how many. Catholics walked on the stadium. They did like a protest. Mm-hmm. Yep. The specifically the Catholic Church because these were like trans nuns. Nuns. Um, yeah. So um, Christians were for like backing it, but the Catholics were like very angry. So mm-hmm. they're like doing protests at the stadium and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so um, you know, I I know a lot of people who were just like I, that. That was just a money move for them. That yeah. was almost like what Target did. Like yeah. when Target did the front end pride displays right when you walk in, mm-hmm. and then everyone started making a fuss and they lost all that money. They were like, "We'll keep it, but we'll move it to the back of the store." Mm-hmm. You know, not, you know. Mm-hmm. Like so, they're like yeah. trying to now just play the money game. Yeah. You know, and then corporations reveal like where their heart is, which yeah. really it's either they're you know they're trying to create a mm-hmm. uh, you know woke persona or they're trying to save money right yeah. or like just try to make out the dollar so like for you would there like if they didn't do the christian day mm-hmm. would that would ha- would that like th- was there any point in your head that like maybe maybe we're not going to be dodgers fans anymore? yeah like maybe maybe we'll burn all our jerseys yeah, yeah, yeah. and become <laughs> angels fans yeah no that that never that I'll never see. went in my head um <laughs> You know, uh, uh, that's looking like a true Dodger fan. Yeah. Though. No, yeah, I, yeah. I think I think you know, Adam. Like uh, one of one of the things that I that I I'm, I'm encouraged by is believers that do not give up on being in the world, but not of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think for me, like one of the one of the biggest things that that I process through that is like it's coming for every team. It's not a Dodgers thing. That's a that's a it's a, yeah. it's a world thing. Okay. Like like this is 
This is of the world. This is the enemy in opposition to truth. It's not a Dodgers thing. So I, I could go be an Angels fan. I could go be a, I'll never be a Giants fan, but I could go be a whatever fan. You know <laughs> we'll, what I mean? We'll welcome you in. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, but the reality is like, this is coming for- be a Little for, League fan. This is coming for everyone. And, yeah. and now's the time to take a stand and show people like, look, we're not just going to accept these things and not speak up for what is truth. Mm-hmm. And and I think this was an opportunity for believers, whether Catholic, Christian, whatever, uh, believers in Jesus to say, hey, we are not for this. And and you assume that we're just going to going to take this and that we're good with it. But we're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't I don't know that the best way to deal with that is like to pile up all your Dodger stuff and burn it in your backyard and make a TikTok about it. Yeah. Um, but rather to say like, no, I, I want to stand to see this organization take a stand and change because this is coming for the whole league. I mean, and not just baseball, it's coming for everything. So I think that's the bigger conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and I love LA. Like I'm yeah. a Dodgers fan because I love LA, not just my family history. Yeah. Um, but, but like I eat, sleep and breathe, you know, Long Beach, greater LA, because I want to see God move in my city and I want to see revival and renewal and restoration. And I don't, I, I, I'm not at the point where I believe that it's so far gone that God can't change things. Like I really believe like if God yeah. could change Corinth, God could change Long Beach. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on, bro. You yeah. know what I mean? And so I, I, that's what I'm looking at is like, no, now's our time to take a stand, not to run away or, or to flee or to go to another team. Because then you're just hiding from what's coming for everyone. That's my perspective on it. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree, too. I think for me, first of all, I'm not a Dodgers fan. <laughs> I'm not even a baseball fan. Yeah, way to stay neutral. Way to stay neutral, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, don't, I didn't even know. This is my first time even hearing about this. Oh, you didn't know really? about this? No idea. Oh, well, then I got to show you. I haven't even it. watched a full baseball game my whole life, mm. probably. Not even once. Um, who, who do, you do I gotta send do this to? It, bro. You Nancy, yeah. Andy. So this is all new you, information for me. But bro, the, it was okay. bad. It, it was, was bad. Was this recent? Like It was this In season. In the summer. This season. Oh, yeah. I didn't During, uh, I think it was June, Gay, gay Pride Month. Yeah. I'm going to... You seriously didn't know about this? No. Oh I my don't, gosh. I don't really keep up with sports outside of UFC. <laughs> <laughs> You're a and UFC then, fan? UFC fan and a little bit oh, of basketball. Wow. Yeah. Laker fan, right? Uh come on. Come on. The funny thing is I grew You better up, not you know, be a Clipper fan. I'm walking no, out. You no, got, no, you no, gotta, I'm walking you gotta, off. I'm walking off. Big old Laker <laughs> when, when it comes to <laughs> sports <laughs> in the States, I grew up in Korea. I was born and raised in Korea yeah. until I was fifteen. So yeah. I never repped a city or a state being a moving to the States. Yeah. So I followed players. Mm. Like growing up in a different country, like mm-hmm. I looked up to like players and my guy was Darren Williams. Because I moved to Illinois and he went mm. to U of I. So yeah. I was a huge Utah fan while he played there. Yeah. Because I used to follow players. So I'm not Yeah. And then my roommates were Warrior fans because they were all from the Bay. So I'm just I'm just yeah. just being a third weird sports fan in the sense that I don't there's no city that I feel like I yeah, but I feel like I should be a Lakers fan because mm. <laughs> I've time. been in California for ten years. We'll anyway. anoint you as are, a as are a you Lakers, Lakers fan. or Clippers. Lakers. Okay. Yeah, hey. Hey. Um, hey, man. I've, I've been a Lakers fan since Robert Sacker was playing center, baby. Come let's on go. now. Good years and bad years. <laughs> let's go. But I think that like that that to me is like one of the great issues that I think every Christian is is trying to wrestle yeah. to. Like at what point. At what point, you know, whatever people, everyone will, everyone will put this in whatever framework they know of, whatever mm-hmm. church they're a part of. Mm-hmm. So you could call it 
lukewarmness. You could call it being uh, accepting the world, whatever it is, right? And so I think everybody, you know, some have more of an extreme outlook, some have Mm -hmm. less of an extreme and just a total, you know, just, um, yeah, whatever, you know, uh, don't bother me or whatever. So I I think that's the, where most, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, but that is, that is a very, um, real reality where, mm-hmm. where, where, where you're talking about, which like, yeah, no, nothing's too far off that it can't be redeemed, which mm-hmm. I 100% agree with. And, but as you're exposing your children mm-hmm. and, and to mm-hmm. certain things, because here's the thing, like I have friends and family that are LGBTQ community and I love them and we have um, very great relationships yeah. and I have LGBTQ people in my life that call me, ask for prayer and stuff like that. And so um, in regards to actual lifestyle, all that stuff like that, though I believe the word of God has a different plan for somebody's life. Um, I, I have no desire to excommunicate or expunge yeah, anyone in terms right. of how I have a relationship with them or love them. I think overall, like what I tend to have concern with is the overall agendas, agendizing, mm-hmm. you know, someone's mm-hmm. sexuality yeah. and, and in creating, to me, all these companies create marketing tactics around a person's sexuality. And, mm-hmm. and, and I have a lot of issues around that. Not, not just ethically, yeah. like that's a, to me, that's a little morally and ethically wrong when Nike and other companies just, they, they, they change all their logo to gay pride flags, except for in the Middle East, you know, mm-hmm. in, on their Twitter, on their Instagram bio, mm-hmm. all that. So immediately, you know, right away, this isn't a conviction. This is, this is dollar dollar bills, you know, mm-hmm. that you're trying to, you're trying to attract or do or whatever. And, and for some, it's because LGBTQ leaders are in leadership and they're trying right. to just expose what they know. And so there's an, an added element of that. But, but I say that to say like, that is the tough part because you take like, um, you take Disney, you take Disneyland. I was there like a month ago, a month and a half ago with my wife. And uh, we saw the one of the parades came through and we were walking by and um, they had a, a frozen float. And the the who's who's the one that uh, does the ice? Any of you guys got daughters? <laughs> you would know Frozen Elsa? better than Elsa? Elsa. Elsa, is she the one that does the ice? I got only sing it boys. Out, sing it out. I only got boys, so I don't, I don't, you know, know, I don't baseball, know the but you character. Know yeah, yeah, okay, bro. Two okay. girls, bro. Yeah, you got two, two girls. girls. Like, one of you guys, one of y'all it. who have daughters would yeah. know this. Yeah. So Elsa comes by in the float, and you guys know her little dress. She's, you know, the Elsa, the blue dress and the white hair, and it was a, a trans man. Or, I, you know, if I'm wording it wrong, but, you know, it was a trans person. Really? Okay. Yes. Who was Elsa on the float? And my wife just looked at me and I was wow. like, oh, man. And again, like, I don't, have a, I don't have an issue with anyone who's who's trans or I, I do believe that God has a different purpose in their life. But as a whole, someone walking by me, I, I take no issue with that. It doesn't offend me. But um, now on a float at Disney representing a character that mm-hmm. I would know on in the movie is female. Mm-hmm. And then my son, still at a young age, but my son's being able to see that, and it was easily perceivable, you know, mm-hmm. that the person wasn't biologically female. Mm. That it just we, me and my wife, were like, because me and her always talk about like there may, and I've talked about it with our church before. Like as of right now, I don't feel the conviction that I feel like I need to uh, walk away from all Disney because right. I, mm. I have friends that are that they yeah. just. Gave up on all Disney movies and all right. like they've completely boycotted the entire anything. If it's got the logo on it, it's banned, right? And I just said, well, my personal conviction is like the movies, like Lightyear and others, and Strange World and all that that encourage it and are mm-hmm. trying to expose it. That stuff we don't partake in, 
and uh, and then other than that, like we still engage with things that are yeah. that are Disney. Then that parade came by, and then it was like, oh, you know, and and then they have a the the girls dress thing, the Bibbidi Bop boutique. They have like a trans person who's who's it's a biological male who's in a dress, and he's like you know dressing the girls in the dresses. Mm. It's like where the girls could come and be a princess. So they started doing that. I think that one was at Disney World. And so the question I think every Christian is always debating with, like, at what point at what point do you start to disengage with something that you say, hey, this may not be right, yeah. something that's good yeah. for us and our family? And and I, I'm just because I'm, I'm curious. I was curious to yeah. hear your side on the Dodgers, yeah. because yeah. I don't I don't I'm not it's a good. I don't watch sports. It's good. I don't watch sports at all. You don't No, nothing. I don't. I don't watch anything. I don't. I don't watch it. So I don't care. But yeah. it just does it. I have ADHD, like yeah. high, high functioning ADHD. I can't sports. Ten minutes in, I'm done. Like I under. Like once I saw the game and I saw the ball go from one side of the field to the other, I understood the game. It's right. Like let's move on. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though like I highly respect athletes because yeah. it's an incredible amount of skill and talent. So there's that element. So when I see everything that happens in in baseball or football yeah. or whatever, I'm, I just kind of like, just kind of roll my eyes, but I'm like, man, you know, glad I'm not a fan of those things because yeah. where I'd have to make an actual contemplation and a decision. And then when it happens, because I love film and movies yeah. and pop culture is like, then it happens to Disney and I'm like, oh, shoot. Mm. Now the ball's yeah. in my court and now I got, but what also a lot of people don't know too is there's only two things that Disneyland still does to this day that Walt Disney created and founded everything else at Disney is like it's been changed mm. over the years someone some executive has come and so all the rides in some way shape or form have pretty much changed to when Walt made them or whatever so there's only two things in all of Disney brand resort all that that still happen that Walt created number one is Jungle Cruise so like Jungle Cruise is still pretty much the same as it was with minor technology upgrades but it's still the same as like Walt intended kind of the script wow. the feel the second thing is Every first weekend of December in Disneyland, uh, Disney brings in a celebrity and the celebrity reads the story of Jesus's birth in Main Street. They mm -hmm. shut Main Street down. Yep. Oh. People get chairs. No idea. They sit down and literally like I was invited one year. It's really hard to get into. Someone invited me one time, a friend, and uh, Chris Hemsworth was reading the mm -hmm. Christmas story. That's um, cool. This year, Brie Larson, Brie Larson, uh, that's right, read the Christmas yeah. story. Someone right, new information yeah. for me. Yeah, I didn't know that. They they've been doing it since Walt, like Walt Disney said, Disney will always read the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, you know, till the day I die, and that's the mm. one thing Disney mm. executives still to this day have uh, maintained and mm -hmm. still done. Yeah. So you look at that and you're like, okay, well, you got floats, right. you know, these ones going, and yeah. then you got. You guys are telling Jesus' birth right. on the 1st December, I, you know, like... What I think is, is interesting, though, like, whether it's baseball, Disney, we're drinking Starbucks right now, any company, Come on. their purpose is going to be the, the dollar bills, right? So their purpose is not in... They want to be successful. So their definition of success is growth, money, finances. And I think where we get in trouble as Christians is when we expect companies that aren't Christian to have the same values as us. So there's two ways to go about it. We could either boycott it, but then our purpose, like you said, is to be in the world but not of the world. So the answer is easy. The process is messy, yeah. especially when we're dealing with the yep. LGBTQ plus community. That's a messy one because it's like it's easy to say it, but it's easy for what, what, what the devil wants to do. 
what communities want to do is create a blanket statement and just cancel. It's the whole thing we talked last time, cancel culture. So like my wife, I think I told you, my wife was Tinkerbell at Disney World. Oh, uh, yeah. For like, yeah, for like yep. I don't know, five, six years. They actually got to say that they're friends with the character. So yeah, I always yeah, thought yeah, that yeah. my wife was a little crazy. And when I first met her, I said, oh, my goodness. You're yeah, friends with who? You, yeah. got, you got some problems, girl. Um, yeah, they're but, not allowed to say, I am Tinkerbell. They can only say, yeah, because, I'm friends with Tinkerbell. Exactly. So that, yeah, was, that was a little yeah. weird. So I prayed for her. She got delivered. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I think that with Disney, so we got a daughter, almost a year yeah. and a half. We took her to, to Disney for her first birthday. It was fun. It was wild. But talking about that stuff, for me, my conviction is, Man, I want to be in the chaos. Like I want to be, I want to be in the tension. And how can I stand yeah. like a Daniel? Right. Yeah. So Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar, he said, "I'm gonna interpret your dream. I hope it's not for you." Nebuchadnezzar was like one of the worst, like evil, dictators, evil. evil yeah. But yeah. he loved yeah. him to a place where he's saying, "I want my love and my convictions, my passions to change you. I don't want to boycott you." Because the thing is, yes, you could boycott something. But then how are we able to change something if we pull away from it? But where I think it's the most powerful right now, where we have an advantage, is the family. That's good. Where we're able to be in the midst of it, and like you did probably with your sons, right? You're able to say, hey, let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. You saw that? Because that problem isn't going away, yep. mm -hmm. right? Any fall of, of, of major empires, there was obsession over gender. There's obsession over yeah. one other area. I think, I think you have mentioned it before. Yeah. And so... I think this is an opportunity to talk as a family because this is only going to increase. And they need to know for, as Christians, hey, we could disagree, but we could still love. Yeah. But we could have a disagreement with mm -hmm. it. But it doesn't mean I want to pull away from it. Because here's yeah. what happens. This may be a true story, maybe not. But this was a... I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure it is. But I, I don't want to... Fact check me, yeah, yeah, yeah. people. This was like years, years, years ago where it was in Hollywood. And one of the top industry leaders in, in Hollywood, this was like in, I don't know, the 30s, 40s, like early, early on, and reached out to these top theological universities, said, would you send us your best and brightest um, to come to Hollywood so we could have a change in Hollywood, so we could have people that are Christian in Hollywood, in places of power? And this president said, I would rather send them to hell than Hollywood. What? <laughs> right? Whoa. Yeah. And so what happened was Christians, as Christians, we abdicated our role to be in the middle of the chaos. And then what happened? When we abdicate, you better believe other agendas are going to come That's full right. circle. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, where I stand is, is one, man, I want to be in the midst of these moments so that I don't always like if I have to write off every person that disagrees with me, man, I, I'm going to have to write off every I got to write, write off my wife, you know, because mm -hmm. we're never going to agree on everything mm -hmm. at once. It doesn't mean we can't stand on convictions. It doesn't mean that we can't be afraid to be canceled. But I think what it means is we could say, hey, this is something we disagree as a family. Yeah. And the number one area <laughs> that especially states like California, other places are trying to take away is our voices as parents yeah. to parent our kids and even as pastors to parent and to shepherd you know, our community. So for me, it's like in those moments, we're able to have that conversation because I feel like boycotting has a certain power, but the thing that's even more powerful is a conversation that really creates a relationship that creates change. Yeah, I, I agree principally with that too. Like, I think it's Jeremiah 34, when the Israelites are in captivity from the Babylonians, Jeremiah, God tells Jeremiah to tell the people, seek the welfare of the city. Mm. He says, seek the prosperity of the nation that's oppressed you. He doesn't say rebel mm -hmm. against them, boycott them, yeah. turn turn the nation over. He says, while you're there, you're there first of all, because you're being judged <coughs> 70 yeah. years of captivity because mm -hmm. of your disobedience. Mm -hmm. But while you're there, seek the prosperity of your neighbor. 
because you have to be a witness of my goodness where you are. So even for me, I mean, I have so many church people who will come up to me and say, hey, pastor, I'm a teacher, and I don't know what to do about this curriculum that I'm supposed to teach. And we have to talk through that. I have friends who are entertainment, and they're like, hey, in this industry, most of the people here, when it comes to my theology and belief about gender, is the complete opposite. Am I supposed to leave? And I always disciple them, stay, yeah. 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 live out the gospel, yep. show them the love of Christ, have tough conversations where you can speak up and say, hey, I disagree with this. It doesn't mean I don't love you, yeah. but you respect me, I respect you, and mm-hmm. let's work through our differences and seek the prosperity and the blessing of where we are instead of trying to. So I, I, I fully agree with that, and that's yeah. where my mind mostly goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to kids, we got to have those conversations. Yeah. Like my wife yeah. and I, um, I went to public school. I went to military, U.S. Army, because my dad works for U.S. Army. My wife went to public school, but now that my kid went to kindergarten, we're going back and forth. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Back and forth, right? Is your, is, your, is your kid in public kindergarten? She's in a private Christian school. Okay, okay. So we went that route, Yeah. right? But that was me. Is she still learning crazy stuff from other kids from it? No, not right. No? She's only in kindergarten, so. I mean, my son's in kindergarten. He learned the middle finger. <laughs> yeah, she's in private she, kindergarten. Crazy. She learned that from me before the kids. So <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just like, dang! Like even in private school, you like learn your hand to the screen yes. right now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but even that conversation was interesting because even philosophically, my theology is she should be in the world, right? Right. Yes, yeah, oh, bro. I, right? Yeah, yeah. But oh, then yeah, as yeah. a parent, I was yeah. like, hey, she's still young. Yeah. In these early formative years, mm-hmm. I do want to give her a foundation, and when yeah. the time is right, we may pull her out in junior high and high school when her faith is more solid and strong. But those are tough conversations I'd be having with my wife, with friends, yeah. with pastors. Well, I think conversation always brings about conviction. And yeah. that's really what you want with your kids is you don't want them to live off of your faith. You want them to be convicted and stir their own faith mm-hmm. in Christ. And I think what you have to be aware of too is like as a family, you have strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And so I think to judge other families and say like, well, everybody should homeschool their kids or everybody should send their kids to a private school. You have strengths and weaknesses as a family. We're different. We homeschool our kids. But my wife is a teacher by nature. Mm-hmm. Like if she wasn't that, we wouldn't homeschool our kids. We'd be in a Christian university for the first five years because I believe that that's super important mm-hmm. for their formation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then also I think what, what I draw back to is like what Adam started with. I, I think you're right, Adam. There There is a balance and a prayerfulness of safety. Mm-hmm. And you talked a little bit about that, Will, like, I think you can engage because, like, they're going to see trans people, mm-hmm. if not on a float, at a gas yeah. station, yeah. at a grocery store. And you've got to build conviction about that. You've got to have those conversations with them. But should that trans person be dressing your daughter? Probably not. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have to balance, like, what is safe for my child and my responsibility as a parent. And I think parents should pray more often about what is safe and what is not, yeah. and that that should stir conviction in their own family. And and what I find is like, man, when I talk to kids as a pastor, I talk to a lot of kids that have been abused, yeah. taken advantage of, <clears throat> they most often, Adam come to me and say, it was because of a lack of a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, I'm yeah. like, man, like I just yeah. think conversation brings conviction and allows safety in the family. And then you can be honest about what your strengths and weaknesses are and what God is calling you to. Because mm. I think it's also dangerous to blanket statement yep. 
And and I love like Daniel's story, right? Mm-hmm. I love Esther's story. Mm-hmm. And and they're all different. And I love yeah. that like Jesus had to go through Samaria. But then to say every Christian has to respond that way, yeah. 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 I think yeah. is doing a disservice to the spirit of God that yeah. stirs and leads people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and different people have different convictions. Like I have yeah. a friend, um, he was executive producer for one of the largest K-pop entertainment groups. And at a certain point, so he was... BTS? Uh, a different group. Just to say, it's the com- competing group. group idea. Yeah, yeah, anyways, <laughs> my, my point is... Um, he gets radically saved while he was an executive producer wow. for a very dark industry. Mm. And when he first got saved, he could no longer make music for them. Mm. He just couldn't do yeah, it. Yeah. He was on fire. Yeah. You know you know those people when they first yeah, get yeah, saved, yeah. they need a complete separation. Yeah, yeah. And for about a decade, he left the industry. Mm. And he was praying to God and saying, God, if you would anoint me and gift me, I want to start my own. But now his faith is strong. Now he's not tempted. And now he has a different philosophy, not a different, a growing maturity, understanding how to be a witness. So he's back in. But now he's back in with certain demands. Yeah. He's saying mm. certain lyrics mm. won't be on my beats. Come on, man. Certain dancing and certain ways these individuals dress, they're not going to be on my songs. Right. So now he's coming in as a witness. He has the skill. He has the craft. He has the clout and the power because he's actually good at what he does the way that Daniel was or the way believers should have something to offer of value, mm. but he also has convictions. So now he could dance where he says yeah. in the past, y'all might, I ain't playing that game. Yeah. You still want my beats <clears throat> here are my demands. So now he's being a witness. There's a little bit of confrontation, but it's also in, in the world where he's showing them this is, I want my songs to have this type of music. Mm. Right. So yeah. I'm just like, I'm so proud of him. I'm like, yo, yeah. like be in that space for the last 10 years you had to, get out but now that you're back in god's putting you as a pioneer in this space to mm-hmm. bring god's kingdom in the way and and the, he was sending me clips in the studio before everyone's there he's praying and wow, yeah. he has on, worship man. music in there yeah and he's just he's literally just like mm. for 30 minutes worshiping and praising god in one of the darkest spaces yeah. in the music industry so i'm like that's what you got to do bro right yeah. so but a season his conviction was i can't be in there yeah, I can't be there because it's too dark, and that yeah. that went for about a decade, and now he's like, I'm going back in. Yeah, right. So giving yeah. people the grace to be prompted by the Spirit, you know what I mean? And I think you you said it. It's like every family is going to have a certain grace. Yeah. And so, what is that conviction? What is that grace that you stand by? Mm-hmm. I think of, like again, going back to companies. I, I think of this all the time. A lot of times we expect these companies to act saved before they get saved, right? Mm-hmm. And in reality, if we act like that, we're just discipling them into religion. Mm -hmm. But if we could stand there, again, you you talked about John 4, Jesus had the conversation with the woman and built relationship, but then had a tough question. Hey, bring me your husband. So it's not that, I think we swing where we say, okay, we just want to love people Mm -hmm. and we want to leave them in their sin, in their mess, and we're just going to keep loving. That's not the gospel. And neither is just telling them, you better live this way. No, they need an encounter and a conversation. And then what Jesus did was he convicted, he, he called that woman out into a higher standard. He said, I don't want you to stay in that same place. And so to me, I just feel like as we walk with these companies, communities, as we walk with these groups, these sports teams, I think we want to be a representation. It means that with that Dodgers moment, yeah, you probably shouldn't show up on that game. You say, hey, I'm not, pu- I'm not pulling up to this game. But like Kershaw did, Kershaw could have just said, trade me. But no, what did he do? He fought That's right. to be like, hey, you see the fruit in what that was. Let me bring Christians in and see the fruit of this. Mm-hmm. And I think 
time will tell the truth as we stand in that place where we're <laughs> able to disagree, but then create those conversations. And so yeah. to me, I feel like people, communities, whatever we want to label as like the worst of the worst, they're one conversation away from their life being completely changed. Yeah. And so that's yeah. what I want to stand well, in. Well, I, I think what's interesting is, uh, is like, you know, uh, and I, I believe all, and the thing I try to always be yeah. aware, because I used to be the most religious zealot to ever exist because I was fully reformed and just completely, I mean, like, I just, you know, mm. if you could be a far right zealot, I was, that was me in every way, right? Which, um, I'm not anywhere near that nowadays. And I think one of the reasons why I'm not is because I started realizing more and more how much of a hypocrite I was, mm. which goes exactly to Jesus's teaching, right? Yeah. Uh, like, man, you, you know, before you point out someone else's spec, take the log out of your eye. Like I was the definition of that. Mm. Like I was really good at spotting specs in people's eyes, like so good at it. And I had the best criticisms for everyone. And I had the best criticisms on why people aren't following Jesus good enough and why no one loves him and why no one reads their Bible and why I do it the best and why I'm pursuing God the best. And I, it's so easy. Cause he went to masters. To do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play, I'll play. Yeah. But he's back. He's so, back. I know, We're right? good. We're yeah. good. It's so, it's so easy to do that. But then when I started like, evaluating other areas in my yeah, life, right. other wounds that I was like babying yeah. that I didn't want no one to know about yeah. that. It was, I was like so easy to look at a Sean and be like, you know, well, that's cowardice that yeah. you, you it, it's just because you love the game more than you love God. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what mm -hmm. someone would say. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, you know, well, you know, let, let's talk about you in, in, in your own life. Like, mm -hmm. let's get in your business now. Yeah. Let, mm -hmm. Let's say you're making that criticism and, and you're a female. Well, the Bible says that women don't adorn yourself with fancy jewelry mm -hmm. as to expose yourself and as to flaunt yourself. And we know in context, that's not fully what it's mean. Right. But if you want to go just totally mm -hmm. braggadocious, this, then I could say, what what if your hairdresser is part of the LGD, LGBTQ? Do right. not go to that hairdresser right. anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. How do you know that that shirt you bought in, bought in Zara wasn't designed by someone 100%. in the LGBT yeah, community? Right. Yeah. yeah, that makeup you're letting someone put at Mac on you to test. What restaurants are you eating person? at? You know what I yeah. mean? That yeah. You, yeah. you never know. Yeah, so you own, let me guess, you only eat at Chick-fil-A. Right. Right? <laughs> right. Is that what you, you only, it's like, no. So there are areas yeah. in your life, you know, you drink a Coke. Coke does gay pride Coca-Cola. Yeah. Yep. You know, yeah. like, so you're giving up on Coke product. Like, how far do you want to take that? Because mm -hmm. it's really easy to be like, oh, I would have, if it were exactly. me and I was, and I was a fan of the Dodgers, I wouldn't be one anymore. Yeah. So, you know, glad to see you're still at the early stages of your faith, Sean. When yeah. you take Jesus a little more right, serious, right. you'll you'll start making the bigger decisions of what it means to not be worldly. And it's like, I, I, I think one of the greatest stretches of scriptures how people define what worldly is and yeah. what worldly isn't. Right, like, sure. I think that is such a deviation and uh and and so like because what's funny is there there's a pastor who's um he's a little older he's kind of world famous for being one of the more stricter pastors in terms of biblical so he doesn't believe women could teach and preach and mm. um he doesn't believe gifts are active today and he, he's very famous for for having mm -hmm. those standards but what a lot of people don't know is because at his church he has a very strict eldership process his head elder is a plastic surgeon. I mean, he 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 inputs 
bigger boobs for a living. <laughs> wow. You know, like gotta love that. And and he's his top giver. Mm. You know? Oh, that's and, even and, more. And mm. this guy is world oh, yeah. this guy's world famous for being the most conservative, biblical, fundamentalist Christian. But when I tell some people who quote this guy all the time, I'd be like, Do you know his head elder is a plastic surgeon? Like he shapes women's vaginas and boobs for a living and makes money doing that. Do you mm. think that's okay? Mm. Well, no. And again, I'm not saying I hold a position to it. Yeah. I'm just saying le, le, we all got a spec. We all got a log. And when they hear that, they're like, wait. And then now they're starting to fight because that hit home. And I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm like, you're quoting a pastor whose head elder does implants mm-hmm. for a living. Like a man who's married looks at other women's boobs right. for a living right. and, mm-hmm. and their private parts. And he does men's nose and all. But let's just be real. Who's right. majority of the time going and getting yeah. plastic surgery, yeah. right? They're getting butt lifts. They're getting, you know, all those things like that. This guy does that for a living. And then he's also on on their radio program that held elder also teaches sermons. Mm. So I'd be like, how do you feel about that? Cause once it starts going into That's someone's it. own world and now you have to start re- reconcile, like you could say, Adam, be just like, just make a decision on Disney. I'm like, right. well, make a decision about this right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Like yeah. if we're going to have the conversation, let me understand what's important to you. Yep. And let me get in your business a little bit. And then unless unless you're gonna go lock yourself in a yeah. in a closet and you're gonna do research and yeah. see only Christian only brands, which I don't think the New Testament ever had intentions to mm-hmm. teach that. I don't think the Old Testament ever had intentions to do that. You know, you spoke about Esther, which you know, as far as my study takes me, most theologians believe that when they were trained to go see Art Exerci, that um they were sleeping with him. Mm-hmm. That's why they were taking baths and roses and all that. It was like, they're cleaning their, their private parts. Cause mm-hmm. the, so when Esther impressed him, she impressed him with her ability to how she has sex. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's part of what impressed him. There would have been other things, but like he was most impressed by the way that she pleased him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, she, he wasn't married. She was, I mean, he was married. He had a wife and then she wasn't married. Right. And it's like by, by in detail, we know scripturally that's morally wrong, but right. you see within that thread, how God used that to redeem the Jewish people yeah. um, from when her uncle Mordecai, and obviously when they were going to uh, try to kill off all the Jews and mm-hmm. Haman ended up getting hung. And, and so like, all I say is like, when I point those things out is, is is God is in the world as much as we are in the world. That's yeah. right. And the yep. scripture makes a, a difference to say that we're in it, but not of it. Yep. And, and that's a difference. Yeah. that yeah. There's a difference to being in it and of it. There's a difference between saying, I'm not going to that game, to being, that that's you being in it. Yeah. Being of it would be like, yo, I'm going to go and that's just my team. I'm going to go buy a jersey for that night mm-hmm. with the, with the, with the flag right, on right, it and right, everything. Right. And you're like, well, it's my team. Rega-. Now you're becoming of it. Right. Like the, yeah. there's an adoption of yeah. certain beliefs that you're taking with it. And so, but we just automatically think that it's just when, when we talked about before here, like recently on like secular music and stuff like that, what defines that as that? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just because they don't say I'm Christian or say God in the song, it makes it secular. It's like, no, because you, you can read the Song of Solomon, you know, and, and you can, for all intents and purposes, say that's a secular book, but it's not. It, it's got God's handiwork and yeah. love and stuff like that. And so Esther doesn't mention the word God at all in the book, but right. we see God's hand within mm-hmm. the whole story. So that's why it's canonized yeah. in the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I think we're so black and white, yeah. but some of these things have more nuance yeah. in them. Yeah, dude. I mean, in light of what you're talking about, like 
as a pastor, being a hypocrite, learning that we have issues that we don't see about ourselves. If it's okay with you, Adam, when I was thinking about Sean coming on, Sammy coming on, and you and me, we're all like in our 30s, right? Mm -hmm. And we're no longer, I'm assuming most of us, if not all of us, went into pastoral ministry in our 20s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're not like yet in our 40s and 50s, but we've been <laughs> in the game 10 plus years. Mm -hmm. I actually wanted to see, have a conversation on like finishing well. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I just feel like I'm curious as younger guys who are no longer the younger ones, but mm -hmm. we're not the older ones. Yeah. And over the last several years for me, I'm seeing like, it's crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like every, it used to be once a year, then like half a year. And yeah. that was like once a month, once a month to once a week for yeah. me. Yeah. 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 Yep. And then for me, it's also my mentors, people who have who yep. Yep. walked mm -hmm. with me and these are men I've looked up to and I think well I want you to finish too but even for me as a pastor too I I uh, even in in lay people who aren't pastors mm -hmm. I've seen an increase of affairs and infidelities yeah. and yeah. addictions yeah. like yeah. so when people we and I want you to finish but like as we look at pastoral leaders or church leaders I I've seen an increase even more so of even lay people as well yeah. that are falling into these temptations as well. Yeah. You know? So I, I mean, when you're talking about like, you're realizing like, man, I was calling these people out, but yeah. I'm realizing I have a yeah. freaking log in my, right, right, <laughs> you right, know right, what I'm right, saying? Right. So like, as I have, as we're here as like younger pastors, why do you guys think this happens more regularly? <laughs> right? <laughs> That's uh, Adam's. Adam, security guard. Yeah, right don't there. worry about it. We're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> like, why do you think it happens, and what do you think we need to do to safeguard ourselves, so like that, ten years later, fifteen years later, we're not yeah. going through that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would start by asking the question, like, is it happening more, mm. or are people's lives just getting more exposed? Because I mean, I've heard horror stories from '50s, '60s. 70s traveling preachers coming home beating their wives yeah. drunk every night just nobody knew about it there mm -hmm. was no social media they weren't mm -hmm. getting exposed like that back then so i mean that's where i would start is like is it actually happening more mm. or are we just actually being more accountable in the world that we live in um and and that's where i would want to start everybody the has a voice box yeah, yeah. I, everybody has social media everybody you know yeah. fi mm -hmm. all 50% of divorces quote facebook in some way type type of way as a as a reason why mm -hmm. getting their divorce and so yeah you have everybody has a platform nowadays whether you got two followers yep. you know or 220,000 yeah i was yeah. What's funny was I was going to ask that question too. Mm. Like, why are we seeing, but you obviously, the Yoda did it better, you know, <laughs> in the question. I was just going to say, why are we seeing an increase of yeah. people falling in ministry? Like, I talked to you about it. Like, we, you, we think back to 2017, 16, 15, there's a lot of people in the last five mm. to seven, eight years that are heroes. And a lot of times it's like, oh, one pastor fell and everyone's like, I expected that. And then someone like Aravi falls or what's happening with I have like stuff like that. And then people yeah. are like, oh, whoa. So two things I was thinking. I just of, found out about the IHOP thing too. Yeah. I'm not really wow. connected with we, it. Ounce we, of prayer, but yeah, I, we could talk, we could talk a little bit about it. Will yeah. knows the most. Uh, but uh, oh. um, two things that I was thinking about in that question. Again, mm -hmm. I don't have the, you know, the corner on it. But one was from a conversation we had with pastors with Pastor Bayless Conley. Mm. Uh, Cottonwood Church, we, mm. we got to sit with him and he was talking about the ways of God. And he was just saying, isn't it funny? 
in the ways of God. Jesus started his ministry at 30. Like, you know, there was, he was around sick people and, you know, he wasn't in a rush. And so the two words, actually, as I was driving up here from Huntington Beach, I was thinking about pace and grace. Mm-hmm. And I feel like currently right now, we want to be in the fastest pace. It's just human nature. I think social yeah. media has done it to us. And I think it was the Jesuits that said um, our, our most influential decade of our life is our 60s. Mm-hmm. I think our second is our 50s. And then our third is our 70s. So our wow. most influential time in our life is 50 to 70, with 60 being the number one decade. But we feel, especially in the Western world, that we got to get our stuff together in our 20s, mm-hmm. in, even now in our teens. And a and lot now, of people in their 60s feel like they're being sent to the pastures. Exactly, but know? not realizing yeah. you're in your best place. So I think, one, it's the pace that people are running. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is, I feel like, grace. And I feel like a lot of times it's very popular, 80s, 90s, the, the healing movement, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, it was all about, I feel like, butts and seats, meaning yeah. how For can sure. you go faster? Yeah. I want to launch, if I'm launching a church, I want to launch with a thousand and then next year, Fill 5, the dreams 000. mentality, build it, it, they will come. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think yeah. what's happened is our vision has outrun our grace over yeah. our life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we haven't asked ourselves this question, mm-hmm. God, what grace do I have over my life to carry? Do I have one talent, three talents, five, ten? That's a crazy way to think, but it's more like, God, are you just giving me a grace for two, two blocks? That's all I want to carry. Are you giving me a grace for a region, a city? That's all I want to carry. Are you giving me a grace to go nationally, globally? And I think what happens is our vision outruns our grace. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is we medicate with whatever it is, whether it's uh, addiction, social media, improper relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's one, recognizing what pace are we running at? Mm. And then two, what's the grace God's called over my life? Last thing I'll say, give it to someone else is, I think it was Bill Johnson. He said this. He went over to, this was early days, Bill Johnson. He went over to uh, a nation in, in, in Asia and he came back and he said, man, it was the first time I ever felt I was more famous than anointed. And he said, mm. I, I never want that to happen again. Wow. And I think we want the fame. And we Asians, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't Asian. It was the, it was the, it was it was the white people. Listening on audio, Will yeah. is Asian, so don't cancel him. He's uh, allowed to say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Asian. He's Asian. <laughs> but I feel like it's easy to run at pace, want to be famous, want to have this big vision to make room for a lot of people, feel the dreams mentality versus, man, God, I want your anointing and I want to carry a grace over my life to do whatever it takes, mm-hmm. to do whatever it takes. So mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's the I think that's the tough part is part of it, it, it what you said, but the big thing in there because at least what I'm seeing from yeah. myself or a lot of people is like we don't realize how and I and I've always respected when I first met Will how he was like there's a season in my life I had to give up social media and he completely gave it up didn't have anything didn't have an account then he creates it comes on beyond the letter first video goes <laughs> like 20 million yeah, yeah, 20 million yeah, people or whatever yeah. which like it's, it's funny what god does I love he, it. god yeah. god be making jokes yeah. <laughs> but i always respect it when i first hear, heard that from will because i'm like oh man that's dope because that does in today's age mm-hmm. that does take a lot of d- discipline yeah to just be like yeah. i'm totally walking away from social media because i think social media as as it is a great medium uh, it's great way to stay connected with people. I mean, I, I am the tech guy. There's like nobody believes in tech more than me yeah. in the church for sure. But um, but also it's it's a very dangerous dangerous world, and 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 we don't realize it how much we compare ourselves oh, and yeah. our lives, yep. but also how much we can hide our life through mm-hmm. social media, and many of the social media companies purposely make 
ways and rhythms in which mm-hmm. you can keep secrets and mm-hmm. hide things. And I mean, that's only benefiting a person who now begins to be tempted. The amount of relationships outside of a person's marriage that forms within social media, yeah. that starts with just a comment or a like or a DM. Like mm-hmm. it just the, it's not that, it's not that temptation is harder mm-hmm. to, to, to Sean's point. Like it's not maybe that it's happening more. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that, uh, temptation is far more easily accessible yep. today yep. than it was 50 years ago. Yep. 50 years ago, like if you're a preacher who, you know, want, or even a person who has a job, you want to fool around. I mean, you, you got three or pe- four people in your office. A lot of those preachers back then, it was like their assistant mm-hmm. or, you know, like mm-hmm. so, someone that was in very close proximity, right? Yep. And, then, and then today you have stuff that's like, oh, a person they met at a coffee shop and then followed on Instagram later on and then and then start you know you yep. look at Carl Litz's situation he was whatever was he doing walking the dog in the park and then he DM'd her or something like that mm-hmm. I mean it's just how it how it forms and then you can use social media as like a little way just to just to feel and so that temptation it hits you and then what you're also doing I mean I remember one time um um you know there was a pre there was a a, 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 a couple who had uh, gone to was going to marriage counseling with me. I was trying to think of the way, because I do so much counseling. I'm like, was it premarital? What? It was marriage counseling. And um, every once in a while, if I'm doing marriage counseling, I'll just look up that couple just to get an idea, if I don't know who they are. Right. If I'll get, get an idea of who they are. So I'll just type their name in Facebook or Instagram just to kind of get an idea before they pop in. What are they like? So the night before, I'm, I'm popping this family, and there's a post by the husband and the wife, and it's a family picture, and it's, you know... I, I'm so thankful for my husband and, you know, the husband's commenting, I love you, babe, blah, blah, blah. You're the best. And they're coming into marriage counseling with me the next day. And I find out like the husband five months prior had an affair and Mm -hmm. like their marriage is completely broken. Like she's telling me I don't respect him and this and that. And and I'm thinking, you just did a post yesterday that I just Mm -hmm. saw. And so there's this disassociation of of this reality that the life that we live and then the the reality we're trying to portray and then on top of that you're looking at that person's life and then you're saying like oh my because even that moment i was like oh i haven't done a post about my wife in a while and then i go in the meeting the next day i'm like why am i even using someone else's post <laughs> right, right, right. on when was the last time right. i posted my wife when their marriage is yeah. is struggling yeah. Yeah. my marriage is not struggling like that it's not yeah. perfect but it's not struggling mm-hmm. in that so i'm like why did i why did i look at a post it provoked me of like yeah well what about you adam and how often as spouses or, or people, do we like point something to our husband or wife yeah. and be like, when was the last time you took me to Disneyland? I'm like, you don't know why they're taking their family to right. Disneyland. Yeah. You know, right. that he could be, a, the husband or wife could be apologizing for something. Yeah. It could be, he could have got a raise at work. Mm. He, there's a million reasons on why that family went. But yeah. we look at social media or we look at another pastor online mm. and then we start getting, we're like, man, well, that pastor's killing it. Yeah. Look at him. I'm, I'm relatively his same age. Why, why, why am I not? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. look how many likes or comments there are, but you don't know that half his staff quit the mm-hmm. week before. Cause they mm-hmm. didn't, they don't want to work with him anymore. Like yeah. you don't know any of that stuff. Yeah. We just know what we've seen. So therefore when we catch, when that seed gets sown into us, and then we actually start believing those things that we see or that we need it, or my life's not like that. Then you start going, well, Maybe I need to create instead of now relying on the Lord and what he's called you to do mm-hmm. and what he's led you to do. Now I think 
maybe I need to start building it myself. Maybe I need to make changes and, and do this the way that I want to do it. Or may, maybe I do, maybe I am unhappy. So instead of finishing well in my marriage, maybe I'll start thinking about I'm not happy in my marriage. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the pastors get in trouble because I, what I've seen is I've met six pastors who have fallen and I've met, I've talked to them in person, four mm-hmm. of which I got in arguments with that had nothing to do with what they got in trouble for, mm-hmm. but they were a very rude and bitter person. Yeah. And, and I'm a person that doesn't really uh, take too well to, <laughs> to rude and bitterness. And so they, uh, four of those six guys that I met that I had negative interactions with ended up having moral failures mm-hmm. within the years after. Yeah. And one of the things that I saw in common with sometimes the only few hours I was around them was Number one, they were extremely isolated. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. So they had no relationships. Yep. They were very, you know, they would call it loneliness or depression or whatever. But to me, that was kind of an excuse to why you don't feel like you you don't. Sorry, I'm not talking to anyone. I'm lonely or I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. It was an excuse of what they were trying to do to isolate. And so they're isolating. And then on top of that, uh, they're, they treat people poorly. Poorly. That's right. Jensen and I were just talking about that on the way up here. Like, even the way that Will was texting, uh, was it Nancy? Mm -hmm. I was like, man, that's why I love Will. Like, this dude respects people. He values them. He knows their name. He takes the time. And I agree with you in that. Like, those are two telltale signs for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got a couple of mentors in my life that are finishing well into their 70s. That's huge Um, to have that. and, And what I've seen them build from a young age is accountability um, like in, in not accountability in the way of like, cause here, here's the danger, Adam is like, you can be isolated and pretend like you're not for sure. And, and what I yeah, mean by yeah, that yeah. is like a lot of these guys that I see fall, they force themselves back in and they do it by way of ministry friendships that aren't yeah. really friendships. Mm. They're more about the way they serve each other. Yeah. And there's yep. nothing that that person could really say to them to correct them correct. or guide them or yeah. lead them. And so they'll be like, these are the people that stood by me. And I'm like, of course they did, because like you put each other on. Yep. But like and what half ha- of them have the same moral failures you did. Yeah. So of course they're But you, what about that all, mentor you know, that's yeah. 15, 20 years older than you that can like call you out on the hard things yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. in front of the people you lead privately? Mm-hmm. Um and, and then I also think like one one thing I found for me personally that I've that I've mimicked from my like spiritual father is when I travel, I travel with people I'm discipling. Yeah. And the reason I do that is because it reminds me that I'm teaching them in everything that I do. That's good. Because, like, we got to go to the grocery store. Yeah. We're going to get delayed on a flight. Yep. Um, you know, I'm going to get a, a waiter that's rude, and they're going to see how I interact <laughs> yeah. with yeah. those yeah. people. Yeah. For sure. And yep. I'm discipling them in that more than when I'm speaking on the stage. And so we were just talking about that, Jensen and I. And that's something I value about you, Will. Like, I, I see you treat people with respect, dignity, honor. Um, even people that haven't honored you. Mm-hmm. You don't talk badly about pastors that have treated you disrespectfully. I, I, I've seen people be bitter towards you, frustrated mm-hmm. towards you. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't publicly, like, defame them. Um, you honor them. Um, now you can disassociate, right? Mm-hmm. And you're not going to let right. those people just continue to do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I agree with you, like that isolation. But isolation is so tricky because a lot of those people that are really isolated, they well, look they could like easily they could easily be isolated and be like, "Yo, are we all going to dinner yeah. after this?" I mean, there is yeah. a there is a there is a bit of fraudness yeah. that we can play 
if yeah. uh, if if you're good with people for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So to me. It's how a person treats people that aren't their people. Yep. Ooh, come That's on. That's what I tell the difference because... Yep. The individuals I'm speaking of, none of those people was I their people. So yep. that's why I was treated poorly. Because yeah. I was in the room yeah. and they're talking to their other pastors. Oh, you know, yeah. I'm doing yeah. this and uh, yo, your shoes and da, da, da. And then I come in and they're like, oh, you know, maybe someone invited me in yep. and they're like, oh, this is Adam. And then they're like, they're like what's, what's up, man? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, man, I loved your book that you did, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay. Once there, there's two specific stories, but one specific story was I, uh, and I, and I said this in a sermon one time because it's, it's, I recently, because it's, it's, it's pretty funny. So uh, happened three years ago. Mm. There was a pastor um, who's very famous, and two of my other friends, uh, and you would know the other friends, which they're not, they don't matter, they're not part of the story in the within the sense of negatively. But two other pastor friends, they were like, "Yo, when you go to this conference, this pastor that's speaking is very famous." Mm. They're like, um, um, "Go, go tell him, go tell him hi, and tell him you're our friend." Like you totally. And you all know that's how you do it. That's yeah, how yeah, you yeah, create a new friendship. Yep. I go, hey man, uh, you're, you know, you're like, I just recently met someone um, who's actually on staff at Overflow. That's going to be, that's connected to to you guys. He's in New York. He's a, uh, um, he's he works at Overflow with Vance Roush. Jonathan Koo. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the, he's talking to me for maybe ten minutes, and I'm and I'm engaging, but then in a moment he goes. Man, and uh, you know, Will was that community was my pastor, and yep. you know, and and uh, we're being mentored by them and stuff like. Not to say too much, but mm. immediately then I even open up more because mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. oh, you're yeah. you're your Will, bo- your boy, boys you're connected. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. my it's, gosh, it's now fair. we have a commonality. Like, this, this, like before we were just getting to know each other. Yep. Now I know mm-hmm. if you're Will's friend, and you know, let's let's go deeper now. Mm-hmm. So that's what you do. So I I went up to this pastor at the end of him preaching. I was like, hey, man, so great to meet you. Great word today. I just want to let you know, um, Pastor so-and-so and so-and-so told me to tell you, hi, I'm really close with them. And they said, you're one of their best friends. And, and I swear to God, he looks at me and he goes, I don't care. Whoa. And I was like, I was like, oh. Uh, you're, you're like you don't know you who don't you just said that to. You don't know who you said that to. That was literally yeah, what yeah, I was yeah, thinking. Yeah. Just you're like, oh, get the dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and, and you, you you all know me. So in that moment, and and I can easily, you know, I'm a bigger guy. I have a very strong personality. I, I'm always easily the bad guy for people. So I always try to lean towards being very soft, very gracious. You know, unless it's like there's nothing I could do about it. So in that moment, I'm just like, oh, yeah. Well, they just. Uh, they just wanted me to say hi, you know, cause now I don't know how to follow. I don't know what to say to follow yeah, up. That's a... So then he's like, okay, bye. And I'm like, all right, mm. bet. So I walk away. You walk and I'm away. Like, oh, that's I'm it. hot, bro. Good my job. wife's, he does it in front of my wife. Oh no, he does not. Yeah, dude. Uh-oh. I mean, it just, so I walk away just hot. Never even told the pat because the I was the the pastor who was putting on the conference. I was invited by him just to come and hang because yep. I was in town, and so never told that pastor what the interaction was like or anything like that. So mind you, during COVID, this pastor has a leadership failure. He lost his church, mm. lost his fame, all that stuff. So now he's doing what you just mentioned. Yep, he's with his he's reaching out to his close friends. Mm-hmm. Yep, trying to still make a living, preach yeah. at churches, yep. but he lost. The dude had like 10 church campuses, very, very well known. And um, three months ago, one of my dad's mutual friends says, hey, my pastor friend so-and-so-and-so will be in town. He's great. Would you ever like to have him preach at your church? Mm. 
So my dad texts me, screenshots the person's text message. My dad's like, hey, do you know who this guy is? I said, I said, I said, because uh, so my dad's not really hip into the church world. So he didn't, you know, like, oh, yeah, I heard him. I'm sitting <laughs> in my office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I say, I say, yes, I'm aware of him. And then my dad said, so what do you think? Would you like to have him? Because we're in a transition. So my dad kind of laterals every final decision to me. Yeah. He's like, would you like to have him? I don't know who he is. But this friend who's extremely credible is recommending him. And I said, yes, I do know him. And here's, here's what my altercation was with him. And so I text my dad, this is what he did to me at a conference. And my dad responded, say no more. I'll take care of it. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Bro, he, he calls uh, he calls his friend and he's like hey he'll never be at our church yeah with yeah, the way that he treated yeah. my son yeah. yeah and his friend was now he's apologetic you know he was like that i don't think he's like that anymore he had a lot of pride god has humbled him and basically my dad was like well you know you guys are his friends you guys can walk him through the discipleship process however you want and restoration process but as for us like as long as he has that between my son there's not going to be a relationship and he's like i respect that i'm gonna And and i even told my dad this guy's this guy had had so much pride he wouldn't even remember that altercation more than likely like even if you brought it up he'd be like oh that happened because when you do it so frequently oh yeah and it just becomes part of your personality yeah. how you treat people you don't even remember mm-hmm. you know who what you did or who you said something to because it just happens so much wow and to me it's like i'm like there's no way with that personality that other people who had a voice in that person's life did not see that mm-hmm. and just refuse to speak on it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's part of the problem is when you let someone's either platform yeah. or you let their yeah. gift outweigh their ability to be held accountable, mm-hmm. then yeah. then then now you to a degree also it's you're not responsibility to clean up their act. But I do believe there is a responsibility. Call out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Call it out yeah. when you yeah. see it. And I, then let them decide. Hey, I'm proud of you, though, for not, you know, Thanks, throwing bro. some hands. Because you know, <laughs> I know, yeah. you know other stories I know. You of mine like, where I didn't act that Let's way. go. I think, I think yeah. the reason yeah. why this is so, like, sobering, though, is, like, I feel like the ones who have, um, I guess the word would be, like, disqualified from ministry, they probably thought the same things we were saying. Yeah. It probably said, sure. said the same things we're saying. And is, I think it's sobering for me just seeing it happen so frequently and regularly and to like all your guys' comments. I think it is true that it's always happened. I, I thought about John Wesley, yeah. how his wife said, I cursed John Wesley with every curse from Genesis <laughs> to Revelation. You know that? I didn't know that. She was like, he was the worst husband ever. ever. Right? Yeah. ever. I'm going to tell my circuit writer fan that. Yeah. He's still a legend, bro. I still honor what he did for God. But isn't that, isn't that amazing, though? Hey, I mean, still you look at David. You're exactly. like, you know, yeah. the dude's a, a cheater and, and murderer. Then, you know, like, you And know. then to what you're saying, I think it's just a, it's just happening with lay people, too. Even right yeah. now, this morning, well, my personal devotionals, I'm reading the First Kings. And I just forget, like every 
first, at least I'm looking like the first 15 chapters, every king is falling. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, like he yeah. did what was evil, evil in the in eyes the of the Lord. He did yeah, what was yeah. evil. He did what was evil in the eyes of the yeah. Lord. He did not Two walk in the them, He yeah. kept the commandments. Yeah. yeah. Hezekiah and yeah. Josiah. You know, yeah. Like. And then like this morning for the first time in a while, like in the first 15 chapters, like Asa comes out and says, finally, he did what was right in the yeah. eyes of the Lord. And he followed after the footsteps of his father, David. So I'm yeah. seeing like... Yes, it's lay people, but there's just some type of accountability that goes to when the leader mm -hmm. falls. Mm -hmm. Everyone just gets affected by that and church yeah. after church. And one of the things I've been thinking about is like, we need to def um, not just think about falling sexually, yeah. but there's so many other components mm -hmm. to how we can fall as spiritual leaders, right? Yeah. There's, yeah. there's financial abuse, mm -hmm. there's power structure, yeah. there's power abuse. There's relational abuse, there's family abuse, mm -hmm. there's uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is like plateauing, mm -hmm. right? How mm -hmm. it says in the time when kings were supposed to go to war, right. David didn't go. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it was the plateauing mm -hmm. and the pride that mm -hmm. gave room for the other sins. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, David's like, I'm good. I'm gonna let my people die. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be safe in this throne, in this kingdom. And he plateaued in his spiritual growth and his leadership growth because he thinks he knows it all, which leads to like other falls as well. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's just been really interesting, man. Mm -hmm. Cause like mentors and leaders I've looked up to and it's just happening, yeah. it's happening, so. Well, we were talking about this, you know, I think it was this week. So I, I got background with Youth With A Mission. I did 15 years in, in YWAM. Lauren Cunningham, the founder, just passed away. Um, but he he would tell us that he started with a few hundred of these guys and only a few, a handful, finished well. Wow. Mm. And I think that what happens is in the Bible, it says you were running well. Who hindered you from believing the truth? Mm -hmm. And it's about, you know, the, the enemy doesn't even, he, the devil's not scared of us starting well. It's about finishing well, which is the question you asked. Yeah. And I think what you pointed out, we all talked about, is who is your accountability group? Is yeah. are they boys of yours that yeah. you have you have something for them, they have something for you? Your accountability group you should be friends with, but who are the fathers, who are the brothers, and like you said, who are the sons, who are mm. the people you're pouring into mm -hmm. that has access to your life, right? Jesus, he said, follow me, kept walking. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times in it's popular to say, Hey, I'm a disciple you one hour a week, and that's totally fine. Our life is busy. But are people seeing your life? Are yeah. they seeing your day-to-day? -day? Are they seeing how you talk to waitresses and waiters? Are they seeing how you act on airplanes and all those different mm -hmm. things? And then I think what you said, which was powerful, is there's such an addiction to attention. And I think that's what social media has given us that access versus I feel like a conviction to assignment. Yeah. And I feel like mm -hmm. what happens is we that guy, that, that story you shared, he said, okay, and then just left. It's because he didn't see you of value. Mm -hmm. He didn't know that you had what you had. But now he knows someone else linked him and he, he would he would either forget about it or he'd say, yeah. I'm so sorry, I had a bad day, I'd have my coffee. But the truth is, is that our, how are we training people that have nothing for us? Yeah. yeah. And I think for, for mm. us is, is that, and then also maybe not even saying that, is that realizing that everyone around us has something for us. Mm -hmm. That we're able to say, I want to yeah. receive from a child to yeah. someone who's a mentor and someone who has written 20, 30 you know, different books. So to me, I think finishing well one of the things is make sure your friends aren't just people that are struggling with your same, you know, str struggles and sins. Mm -hmm. And then another key one, if you're married, is ask your spouse, speak into my life, what are you seeing? And, oh, and, for and, sure. And I don't need to. Uh, and, and, I, and they ain't going to hold back. Yeah, 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 like, I'm glad like, you asked. You know? And Let me so, pull out my yeah, journal. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and so I just think, and I'll give it to you, is yeah. that 
who who's the you, asking your spouse, asking a, a mentor, leader, ask your a father, kids. ask your kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And then I think it's just about realizing this: finishing well is a lot harder than we could even think. Yeah. yeah. And so even look at your life and look at your last month, your last year. Where are struggles? Where yeah. are cracks in the armor? And what are things that could take you out? And being like, yo, hold me accountable. Mm. And being yeah. able to walk with people in that way. And just really realizing, not a, a, not a crazy fear, but a healthy fear and conviction to say, man, I want to finish well, so I'm going to be able to do whatever it takes to run that race. Mm. But I would say it is crazy. It feels like almost a pastor a week, is, it, you're, we're starting to see that they're moral failure or some kind of failure. Yeah. But I do feel like it's a shaking of things that are getting ready to take place. And yeah. there's a there's a changeover in leadership yeah. that, hey, if you don't deal with it one-on-one, it's going to be shouted from the rooftops. Yeah. I think I want to ask Sean just because Sean's with us. is like, because what I'm hearing is like, we need spiritual fathers, we need friends, mm-hmm. and then we need disciples, yeah. and we need them equally, yeah. right? So it's not out of balance. Because if you only have fathers, mm-hmm. yeah people under you aren't going to see how you're living and you don't have friends to call you out. But if you yeah. only have friends mm-hmm. for you talking about like having disciples come with you, cause I've seen you too. Like Sean mm-hmm. rolled deep. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> he rolls with like disciples. He even brought Jensen here to say, Hey, come with me. Yeah. Do you let your disciples call you out? How do you go about that? Mm-hmm. And then what is your thought process of, I need them here. Mm-hmm even for my own spiritual growth. Because most people think I'm discipling you, I'm in a relationship with you because you need to grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I'm seeing you saying is, no, I need to be in a relationship with my disciple even for my own spiritual yeah. growth. I kind of want to hear what you think about. Yeah, I think it goes back to like your plateau comment. Um, I mm. think spiritual laziness often creeps in by the inability to celebrate other people. Mm-hmm. Um, having young disciples around me helps me learn to celebrate things that I've stopped celebrating. Mm -hmm. When they preach for the first time, when I see them grow, when I see them counsel someone, when I see them make a hospital visit, when I see them do deliverance with someone, when I see them counsel the first time, it stirs in me the faith of my youth Mm -hmm. and reminds me to celebrate what God is doing through them. What I often find, Will, is that people that that are leaning into this not finishing well, their plateau often comes in their inability to celebrate other people. Mm. So like one thing I do is like, um, and not to like hype anybody up, but like what I do is like when I'm away, um, I'll go find a church that doesn't know me, doesn't know who I am, has no connection to me. And I'll just go fellowship at that church. And my wife will tell me like, Hey, there are times where we're going to go away and you're not going to call your friends to preach. You're not going (laughs) to, you're not going to, you're just going to go to a church and act like nobody knows you. Um, and you're not going to do anything to make yourself known to anyone. And you're just going to worship and you're going to serve the Lord and you're going to get fed and you're going to celebrate other people. And if afterwards they realize you were there, praise God for that. But you're just going to be dad. You're going to be husband. We're going to worship together and you're going to learn to celebrate this. And what I found is that building that rhythm into my life where I do that like at least once a quarter when I'm away with my wife, it helps me, Will to remember to celebrate when I'm at home, mm-hmm. um, to celebrate the other leaders. Cause like, you know, I've been in churches where, you know, leader leaders will go like, yeah, we have a plurality of eldership. We share leadership. We're raising up young leaders. And I'm like, man, they only preach when you're not here. Right. Mm. You're not empowering anyone when mm-hmm. you're, when, when, when you're in the room, it's only when you're not in the room. Mm. Yeah. And so I want to sit and I want to celebrate That's what good. God is doing through them. I want to learn. I want to grow in it. And then what that allows me to do is it allows me to remember that the disciple lead discipler relationship is for both and. Hmm. 
Hmm. Right. I'm there to stir them and they're there to remind me of the goodness of God. Now, there's not much that like Jensen, for example, has taught me about like the Bible or theology Hmm. or my Hmm. praxis or some of those things. But what he reminds me of is the truth of God's word. And he stirs that faith in my youth and just, he helps it be real to me. Mm. Um, because here's what I what I find with like the plateau. And this is where like I often, when pastors come to me like, ah, I feel like I'm plateauing. I feel like this is happening. You know, they come to me, my spiritual father, we, we, we counsel, we lead. A lot of those pastors is they'll go, I've lost my love for being in the word or being with Jesus. I've made everything I do about my profession and doing it for other people. I've lost my devotion time. I've lost my worship. I've lost these things. And I'm like, dude, just be an amateur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rediscover the love for it. Ama, love of, right? Mm-hmm. Begin to do it for the love of and do it by stepping out of it and serving others in it again. And so I think that's how I live it out is mm-hmm. just a reminder of like, they're not there to serve me. Like they're not there to just get my coffee and hold my bags and <laughs> hold, you know, it's on my armor bearer, hold my Bible. Yeah. Um, but I'll like work them in, I'll give them space, right? I'll encourage them along the way. And then they're there to remind me like, Sean, you were once here mm-hmm. and you were passionate about everything your mentors were mm. saying to you. Mm. And that keeps my heart stirred for the Lord. Mm. That's good, man. That's really good. I'm just thinking how to keep our heart fresh, right? Cause mm-hmm. again, we're not older mm. like vets in the fifties. We're not in our 20s. Many of us started at, at teenagers. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And so, many of us, all four of us. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, yeah. yeah, it's just interesting, man. He's seeing you guys as boys. Mm-hmm. Like, I hope, and I really hope, and I believe it. Yeah. When we're 55, we're sitting like this, like, yo, yeah, we've, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're right. still in the baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, that, and that, it's harder. And it's it, it, not that it's less and less nowadays, because I like how Sean put it. So it's not that it's more. It's yeah. that yeah, you yeah. just see it more. But but it, it, it well, well, and here's part of the reality is there's, there is more people statistically getting out of full-time ministry that's good. today, yeah. period. Right. So that, that statistic does exist. So there is an element where there are a, a lot of us who, um, and it may be people who listen to this podcast, where you have a lot of skill and a lot of talent, and then the wall that hits you becomes so hard that you just say, I could do this somewhere else. Mm. Like many of us do in full-time ministry, we could go make a living outside of doing mm-hmm. ministry. So when it gets hard and it gets tough, mm. many guys our age nowadays are just being like, dude, I can go start a marketing company tomorrow. I mean, that was the, before I my, my dad chose me as successor, that I was wrestling with that mm-hmm. because I was yeah. making four times as much as I was making as a youth pastor running a marketing company. And I had a big client, big insurance client who wanted to hire me on where the company was going to do three million in the first year. And, and obviously I'd have to hire employees and stuff, but still, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, bro, I don't even make 10% of that (laughs) as a youth pastor. (laughs) And I got to call this company right now and say, um, it's not a good season. We were bidding for contracts. Mm. My, my contract got chosen. Actually, I'm not gonna, you should go with the second choice because it's not a good time for Mm -hmm. me and my company. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, I'm telling my wife, did like, did I just make the biggest mistake of my life? But in order to do that job, I would have had to take at least a year to two years off of full-time ministry. Mm -hmm. But I understand if you're hitting a wall and you realize not just financially, but in other ways, you're like, dude, I don't have to, 
I don't have to have another person tell me that they hate me or that my theology was wrong or get another letter from an angry member about mm-hmm. how the sound was too loud or mm-hmm. the sound was too low or the concrete was cracked when they walked, like whatever, you know, I, I can go on for hours. Of the, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, you get a lot of encouragement, but you also get a lot of, you know, there are some people who think that they're the only people that exist. So mm-hmm. I could see why a person would be like, I don't want to do that anymore. But reminding, I think you said it will or something like that, like, like reminding yourself of what you're called to, like what you said yes to, or maybe you said it, uh, mm-hmm. um, Sammy, of like talking about that mm-hmm. commitment yeah. that you made to, to finish well, to yeah. say like, God, you didn't, you didn't, at least for us, you didn't change that capacity. Mm-hmm. But I think there's other people that can learn from that in the sense we talk about it a lot of nowadays that, um, statistically, um, for some of us that may be on the older side of millennials, um, they won't fit this category, but anyone that's Gen Z and Gen Alpha, they say anyone that's Gen X and a baby boomer, by time they retire, they're going to have two to three jobs in their life. Mm-hmm. So, so that's it. Two going. to three jobs. Wow. They said when a Gen Xer retires when they're sixty, they're going to have twenty-seven to thirty-five jobs in their entire life. Mm. So in crazy two generations, Makes you sense. went from your entire life, two to three jobs yep. to 27 jobs. There's a mm. couple things. Oh, that's very insightful. You know, it shows us that that when we don't like something or when we're not happy or when we and, and, I, and I don't necessarily have a total criticism, pursue what you want to find what you're good at. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like if you just keep seeing yourself in. Uh, this kind of roundabout circle you're like, Oh, I'm not happy again. I'm not happy again. Well, I'll go leave it and I'll leave it. What you are teaching yourself is, well, I'm not happy in this marriage. I'll leave it. I'll go to a new marriage. And then you're like, well, I don't like this marriage. Mm -hmm. I'll leave this one and I'll go to this marriage. And then I don't like this job. I'll leave it. And so I think even young millennial, and we even, we be susceptible to that or Mm -hmm. young Gen X pastors Mm -hmm. are going to have that same, experience where they're going to be like, I don't like this church. I'll try this church. Mm-hmm. I don't like this thing. It's an overall. And to me, what adds to that is, is social media, social mm-hmm. media adds to that, but also opportunity and options add to that, mm-hmm. which there are more on the table today than there was 20, 30 years ago mm-hmm. in the sense of what a person can make a career out of, you yep. know, someone can look at TikTok and just wear a dress and make a whole career out of mm-hmm. just backing up and saying, you like the dress, click the link in my bio yep. and they're making 200,000 a year, yeah, crazy. you know? So someone looks at it and goes like, well, I'll try it. And then they hit the lottery and then they could do it. And mm-hmm. so there's so many different mm-hmm. options that then they say, and then, uh, and then when that doesn't become a thing anymore, I'll find a new thing yep. and then a new thing. And so um, even in ministry, I think that's going to be a reality of struggle. I know personally a lot of pastors right now who aren't pastors anymore that are yeah. just running, they run coffee shops now and they're yeah. successful, yep. yeah. but they run coffee shops now. They own consulting agencies now. Cause you got to think about it. We pastor people, we have systems and practices every single week. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times in the church world, anywhere. we are most, most celebrity singers have a foot in the door when they were young in the church. Yeah. Almost all the great mm-hmm. ones say, right. oh, I started singing in church. Yep. There is a system in the church that builds people fast yeah, and does. they build them quick yep. and you get to do it weekly. Mm-hmm. Whether nowadays, 
whether you're taking pictures at your church, mm-hmm. whether you're taking video at your church. I mean, you could become an audio professional if you start helping at yep. your church in three years. For sure. Because you're, you're practicing every week. Sure. And then now they go, hey, pastor, I'm going to be I'm not going to be serving on Sundays anymore because I got a gig traveling with Bono. I'm his new audio guy. And you think, well, I'm happy for you, but <laughs> mm-hmm. you learned it all, a lot of it here, and we gave you the release yeah. to do it, and you should make a career out of that. Yeah. But I'd say, if you're moving, I encourage you, don't forget where you started. Yeah. Don't forget the Lord. Don't forget where God has... Don't forget that you, man, who's a great pastor and communicator, it's because a, another pastor believed in you. Yep. And gave you an opportunity Come to on. speak on stage and to get better and to let you do an offering or an exhortation or you sing or your pastor or the leader said, hey, yeah, you sing, keep doing it. That all of a sudden you don't go to church anymore yeah. because you made it and yep. you don't and you got a great sales career because you got to share on stage at your church and stuff. like. There's just a lot of rhythms that the church can really build in you. And it's very easy for us to say, like, you know, when I was in college. I was voted number one, like public speaker or whatever in the, in the, in the thing. And th- oh, I, no, I no longer, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so shocking. I was no longer allowed to compete in it. Cause it was like speech class or whatever. <laughs> huh. So the teacher just basically said, Hey Adam, like when you give your speech for now on, like no one's allowed to vote for you. Cause you, I just kept getting first place. And, um, and one day she pulled me aside and she's like, like, why are you, you know, so good at it? And I'm, and I was like, well, my, my dad ever since I was eight would make me go on stage and he would make me talk about tithing or he would make, you know, he might, mm-hmm. you know, a pastor, like you oh, just yeah. throw your kid up and you yeah. make him do anything. Right. And, uh, and I said, and then my dad would just make me sit in the seat and, and watch him. I'd have to go in service. Sometimes I get to go to children's church, but sometimes he made me go in big church. Yeah. And I'm like, and then, um, my dad to me, who's one of the best communicators, I'm like, I just learned, yeah. but I could have said to her, I'm, the, the kids just got it. It's right. natural talent. Mm. It, you know, I'm just. I just, because I made it, I just, self-made, you know what I'm saying? Baby, yeah, I'm self-made. On. But really, I because she asked me how to think about it, I'm like, well, well my dad yeah. in, encouraged mm-hmm. it and taught it, would bring me on stage and put the mic in my head and I would shake and whatever. And he'd say, hey, you're going to do it again next week, but let's go over it mm-hmm. this week. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, okay. By the time you're now you're 18, you're like, oh, I, I'm I'm pretty confident in front of people. Yeah. And I could easily be like, yeah, that's, that's, that's all me. Or I could say like, no, someone took a chance on me. Mm-hmm. Someone encouraged me in this direction. Mm-hmm. And so before I just say like, oh, I gained myself a new opportunity, I need to think where does who, who's going to be laid in the crossfires of whatever That's decision good. I make. Mm-hmm. And I need to really pray. And then I need to do the process like we talked yep. about. I need to talk to an, to an elder, a sage in my life. Yeah. I need to talk to my peers in my life. I need to talk to some people who I'm discipling. Hey, mm-hmm. do you see this in me? Do you... I'm thinking about doing this. What, how would you feel if I did that? You know, what would that what would that mean to you? And yeah. just allow that feedback to come in mm. before we just um, allocate all all our gifts, all our talents to ourselves. That's where Saul's pride came in because yeah. there's always going to be someone better than you. Yeah. So Saul was good until he heard other people say mm. he kills his thousands, but David kills his ten thousands. Saul was good. Until he heard other people say, you know, there's someone that kills more people than you do, mm-hmm. Saul. He was like good with a thousand. That's why the celebration piece comes yeah. in. You know, yeah. until he heard someone kills word. more than me, 10,000. Well, shoot, maybe, maybe I'll just kill him. Right. Or maybe I'll now I'll just 
uh, now I'll just pursue my own flesh. I'll go see, you know, someone who dabbles in sorcery right, and I'll do, right. you know, like you just start, <laughs> you, you start crumbling. You start doing you know? things you never thought you would do. Never. And I think what wow. you look at Saul, he didn't know how to ebb and flow. And then you look at John the Baptist, he knew how to ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like you're talking about always carrying humility to remember your journey. Yeah. And I think it's like remember who got you there. And then I think the other thing that's powerful that you just mentioned about Saul was how do we how are we able to ebb into a place? Are we okay with being at the front? And then are we okay with like someone else coming after us? Or do we always have to be that person that has all the attention? And I just yeah. think it's like Always remember where you, who got you there. Always shouting out your journey and all your past and all those things. Yeah. And also being remembering how to bring people up with you. And when that process happens, being willing to be like, okay, I'm going to take a back seat. Like you said, I'm going to sit in the church and I'm not going to have to preach and I'm going to be there. Because I think a mm. lot of times it's easy to be like, oh, I got to go preach. I'm going to have someone else preach. But how much does it mean to you? Remember the first time you preached Come and your mentor was in the front row yep. shouting you down? Mm -hmm. yep. Like that meant so much versus, oh, can you preach? But your mentor's never there. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it just tells you, what does it tell you? Mm -hmm. Well, my, my mentor is there for me, but really only where I could help him out. But he's never going to be there shouting me down. But he expects me to be there to shout him down. Yeah. And I just think it's yeah. just about... And I think that applies yeah. like if you're a dad, yep. you, yeah. your mm -hmm. son and daughter, you can yep. practice and yep. play that out, right? Yep. Uh, if you're a spouse, you can practice and play that out. You know, like, mm -hmm. yeah. are you present? Yep. Yeah. You know, are you cheering them on? It's yeah. definitely know? not a pastor thing. I think it's yep. a metric thing. Yep. And and I think like the, what you're seeing in, in if I could just speak into like maybe why we see so many leaders like failing and not finishing well right now is their metric was how do I do this for a lifetime, not how do I work myself out of a job by raising up people that are better than me. Yeah. I, I think you could apply that to anything, coffee shop, whatever. And and here's a danger that I see a lot in the church, not just with pastors, but people in general, is they treat calling like it's not a verb. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I got called. <laughs> and so they're like, well, I have to pastor till I'm 83. And I'm like, I'm no. at 45. Jesus, I already, I already yeah. told my staff and the board, 45. Jesus I'm out. is calling you like <laughs> assignment, assignment every driven. day, yeah. and he's calling you to new seasons. That's right. Like, let's take the whole scripture and look at that. And and maybe your calling isn't to be a pastor your whole life, right? But if your metric is always like, I remember when I was a youth pastor, like I I thought I would be a youth pastor forever. I was down. I yeah, loved yeah. it. Yeah. I didn't I didn't have grandeur to like. Uh, be an apostolic leader, plant churches that plant churches and, and go to a fifth generation and do all that. I just want to love kids for Jesus. And then one day I had 45 young leaders around me that I was investing in, loving in, serving. And they were like, we got the lights. Uh, we got the sound. We got the parents. We got the preaching. We got the worship. And I was like, I have to quit because I worked myself out of a job. <laughs> yeah. And then God was like, okay, here's a new level of leadership yep. because you've been faithful yep. with what I've given you. And now not only do you have people that are as good, if not better than you, but there are 45 of them, not just one of them. And I think so many ministries rise and fall on these leaders. That's metric was like, let me serve God my entire life. Yep. And so you went through all these plateaus. You lost all yeah. these people. You never empowered leaders. And then you slowly killed what God gave you. Hmm. And and I mean, that is absolutely what you see with Saul. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that comes from all kinds of things, jealousy, yeah. secrecy. I mean, we, we can go into all that. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think going back to what Sammy's saying, like just that reality of like remembering the metric shift, going back to what you were saying, Adam, like 
is it really even a bad thing that we end with that many jobs? Like, yeah, yeah. there's loyalty, commitment, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and you want people not to just church hop, but get under a good leader. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like maybe some pastors do need a couple other jobs at a certain point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and I think like as long as you're discipling, apprenticing people, and, and your metric is like, Lord, let me work myself out of a job, then God will use you in whatever season he puts you in. Yeah. So good. And that's how my 60s will be my best, I think. Yeah, that's what on. I want. Come on. One thing I want to say is like, even the idea of calling, because I think pastors could get caught up like, I'm called. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. God's called me to do this. I've been thinking about it. You're just called to follow Christ. Yeah. <laughs> like, Say that. Like yeah. your your church is your job. Like a Christian, a doctor is a job, mm-hmm. right? Yep. It's like, it's not who you are. And the moment you define yourself as what you do, you get into all types of trouble. Mm-hmm. And even um, Romans 8, 28, like everyone's favorite verse, you know, God works all things for the good for those who love him according to his purpose. And they say stuff like, oh, God's gonna make this work well for me. I'm gonna get a job, my church is gonna grow. But the next verse, it defines what that good is. It says to be conformed Mm -hmm. into the image of Christ. Mm -hmm. So God is working all things in our lives, not for our good, but to make us like Christ. And that's what is good, right? So even the idea of like, for me too, is like my calling is who I am not what I do mm-hmm. and not to take my job or my ministry as my core sense of identity, which gets me mm-hmm. all blind. And that's oh, yeah. what every, like you oh, said, yeah. Yeah. could be anybody, parents, so doctors, jobs, yeah. spouses. It's like, no, all of this makes me more like Christ. And now I've defined it more as assignments. Mm-hmm. I have assignments it, bro. Yeah. in different seasons of my life. And I just got to steward that and move forward and yeah. becoming yeah. more like Christ. But I think now. even in like a marriage, like you have going your perspective of like just saying, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be married for a lifetime, right? I won't be another statistic. Well, the marriage you have when you don't have kids is different 100%. than the one when you have kids. And actually the biggest hurdle that I found as a pastor and counseling people is the largest hurdle that people have is the empty nest season yeah. when all your kids mm-hmm. go off to college. And what, what so many people try to fixate on is like, I'm just, I just want to stay married. I just want to stay married without dealing with like, who is my spouse and what is my spouse with children? Who is my spouse and what is my spouse Mm. with an empty nest with children in college or, or children who will now get married and have their own Thanksgivings and have their own Christmases. And so many people uh, end up getting into a difficult predicament because the idea of how you Mm. defined marriage when you first got married is going to be different when you empty nest, but you're trying to define it with the original framework that you committed to. Yeah. You know, I hear it all the time when I do like marriage counseling is like, well, they're not the same person when I married them. I'm like, I hope they're not 21 still right, yeah, at right, 45. Right, right, right. Like I hope, yeah. you know, I'd be telling you, yeah, you know, like <laughs> people be like, you changed. I'm like, like, I know. Good. You should Man, too, I bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope, I hope we change. Right. Yeah. And so I think whether it be career or whether it be someone in That's ministry, really like if you're just like, it's got to be and feel the same as when mm-hmm. I was a youth pastor, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, no, it's not going to be that same. Well, when you're a youth pastor, you get a you get to serve pizza, yeah. you get you get to preach and give out shoes and gift cards. And then and then you go to a new level of leadership and all of a sudden you're the constant bad guy. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you're the enemy of everyone because you're the boss or whatever. And you're like, man, this isn't the same. It's like, what's well, not going to be. Mm-hmm. No. And so if your commitment is just, well, I'm going to be the, in this to the end, it's like, it, then that's going to be a far thing. Cause you're always comparing it off yeah. of the best years 
that you had that you felt the happiest rather yeah. than than rather than like I'm right now I'm in an assignment in my marriage where me and my wife are leading a kindergartner and a toddler mm-hmm. yeah. and and that is and our marriage is going to look different date nights are going to look different time, because we have kids that have to be around us every second we don't have 13 14 and 15 year olds yeah. who at this point don't want who at that point would not really want much to do with us mm-hmm. and just want to do their own thing that would be a new season right. and a different season and so though we are husband and wife and though we have we're mom and dad we are in an assigned season right yeah. now where we are leading developmental children who need a certain level of time from us yeah. mm-hmm. that would be not what we were used to when she and I didn't have children or mm-hmm. even one child mm-hmm. and yeah. got to get up and go mm-hmm. and do whatever. But so many people get so caught up on the best time or yeah. when we got to do this. And even in a career, yeah. I remember when I got to do that, it's the best time, but we didn't forget, like we did, we're, we've asked for this, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we want to have fruitful things and we want to have a fruitful youth ministry that ultimately leads us to like I know when I got pulled out of youth ministry, it was the saddest day of my yeah, life. Come when on. my dad told me, Hey, I want you to run services. Cause we want to reach a new generation. That's your generation. So I want you to change the music, the light. So essentially he said, I want you to be the bad guy in our church. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Like you got to change the music. You got to change the yeah. sound. You got, And so I'm getting like pissed off members and I'm just like, Hey, I'm just, try- I'm just doing my job. I'm just doing what my pastor told mm-hmm. me. He said he doesn't want gospel every Sunday. He said he doesn't want just a white drape. And then I just arrow air. And I'm like, when I was the youth pastor a month ago, come on. I mean, dude, I'm doing a youth conference. Yeah. Lecrae's coming in rapping. Right, We're right. going to dinner. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah. this sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> like, and then, uh, you know, a senior pastor now and at 33, yeah. I'm like, Oh, okay. It's a very hard season, <laughs> yeah. very stressful season, but I see, I see where you're, you've assigned me yeah. over the years, God, and I'm going to be, you know, uh, cause each season has its own little hardship, but I look at our youth pastors to this day and I'm like, man, you get to bring 10 boxes of pizza to the high school. And, so, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it had its own hardship. Sure. Kids never told you, thank you. You never got, sure. you know, all that there's had its own element, but you just go, it's just very easy mm-hmm. to, to yeah. fantasize a, a past or where your marriage was before and yeah. not realize, yeah. no, I'm assigned right now where yeah. this relationship is or where this career is right now. I'll say this. And I know we're about we can to close it. Yeah, after, I, close it out. I know we're about to finish, but the, the kind of picture I, I feel in, in my, like the, the picture I see in my mind is living open-handed versus closed fist. Mm. And I feel like what happens is not being able to change with each season and just say, God, I'm, I'm giving this to you. So it's not bad that we have a commitment to, like God, I want to pass you. I want to senior pastor for the rest of my life. But if you get change the assignment, yeah. I'm willing for that. Right. And I think one side is like I want to change based off of what I think is best for me, and the other side is holding on so bad because we have a poverty mindset that if I let what I built go, God won't give me what I have mm. for the next thing. Mm. Yeah. And I just think this, and and we'll end it is with Abraham. He was so waiting for a son. He tried to make it happen, and then he finally gets that son, and then God goes, all right, it's time to sacrifice him. Yeah, and and yeah, then he's yeah. like, oh, snap. So he immediately <laughs> listens to God, right? Yeah. Read the Old Testament. It's beautiful. But then in a moment, right before he's about to sacrifice his son, God says, stop. Yeah. And I think the problem we have as Christians, and we've talked about pastors and leaders, but I think this is as just as people. Yeah. We get so dependent, and again, I'm talking about Christians, on what God said versus what God is saying. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what we got to do is we got to say, God, you said this, and I'm going to be obedient until you say something else. And so my encouragement for, for all of us, for, for myself mainly, and I'm in, Will knows this more than 
all you guys, but I'm in a place where I was like helping with the team start circuit riders and the Lord said transition that. And that that was my DNA and all yeah. my people were together, but I'm trusting the Lord and, and living in an open-handed place yeah. because I know what God's given me, it's not because of what I've done, but what God's doing. So my encouragement would be as we live open-handed, it's not saying that we're not being diligent to our assignment, but we're saying, God, take this assignment because you know what's best for me, and I want to continue to follow your voice every yeah, step of the way. So good. So. Yeah, that's dope. I love that. Well, thank you, boys, for joining us. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Hope it was good for y'all. If you live in Long Beach, go check out Sean's church, yeah. uh, Light and Life. life. Yeah. Light and Life. That, that's what it is. And then you know Will in the house. That's if right. you're in Orange County, beloved church, mm. go check it out. That's my dog. That's right. You celebrated a year. It's like six months ago, four two months, years, two months ago, two, two months years. Ago. Two years. That's right, man. Come on. And then Sammy, yeah, I can't say much on it. Yeah, but come to my house. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, it, we build uh, it, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you live in Miami, you could check out uh, yeah. Love Has No Limits. Yeah, that's they right. They do a one day. That's right. Uh, outreach yep. and evangelism movement yep. so you could check out is it one day la or yeah. not one day so one day yeah. miami well, that was the one so we it's gonna be LA. love has no limits yeah if you go to love has no limits.com we're doing stuff in miami that'll be multiple years campaign we're following up in houston and then we're going to be doing some fun stuff in socal which Come i can't on. wait to talk to you guys about yeah, so, yeah, yeah yeah so uh sammy helps put on and uh pastor a lot of those relationships there. So yeah. if you're in Miami, because we got people listening all over, mm-hmm. check out mm-hmm. Love Has No Limits. It's yep. a dope event. So yeah. thanks, y'all. Peace. Yep. Peace.